You're listening to Creators in Saigon, a podcast based in the rapidly modernizing city of Saigon, Vietnam. I'm Dana, and together with my co-hosts, Tuesi and Nico, we interview the most inspiring creative entrepreneurs Saigon has to offer on topics about life, relationships, creativity, business, health, and more. We are all coaches specializing in different areas, but our common goal is to inspire you to reach your full potential in these areas and improve the quality of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Creators in Saigon. You have Dana here. So I'm so sorry that we haven't produced an episode in probably over a month now. Uh, Things have been super demotivating with the lockdown situation and just a lot of uncertainty around if I can even stay here in this country, will I stay, will I go? Still not sure yet. Uh, So things kind of slowed down for a second, but we're back to producing episodes. We have a few interviews lined up for you guys that we're really excited to share. So today... I'm excited to introduce you guys to Giuliano Crescenti. He is a 25-year-old plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer with a bachelor's degree in biomedicine. He's currently working with clients for weight loss and for healing particular ailments alongside running the nutritional science behind Planta's vegan meal plans. Giuliano was born in Australia but has been living in Saigon since he was 14 years old. So it's just me hosting this one. I'm sure some of you guys know that I recently also got certified as a nutritionist, so it was super fun to just geek out with him on all things nutrition and health and wellness. So I have no doubt that you guys will learn something new from this conversation to take away and start applying to your life. So without further ado... Here is Giuliano Crescenti. So you were born in Australia, but you've been living in Saigon since you were 14. So can you share what brought you here at 14 years old and what it was like growing up here as a teenager and how you believe this experience of living abroad from a young age shaped who you are today? Yeah. So like, I mean, I was born in Australia and I lived there for about 11 years and then um my dad's work re- required him to move to Asia. So we, we first went to Singapore. And then by the time I was 14, then we um, moved to Vietnam um, as his career developed. So like, yeah, I went to an international school. I went to um, Ishmik and uh, International School of Ho Chi Minh City. And I think I stayed until I was about 18 or 19 years old mm-hmm. before returning to Australia to get my degree. And then I basically, yeah, I just said, screw it and came back to Vietnam because Australia didn't feel quite right for me and Vietnam feels like home. But uh, I think, yeah, living as like an expat was, uh, I think it was very important for the person that I am today. Like, you know, you grow up in an international community and you grow up in a place that's full of freedom. All your friends live very close to you and there's not too many restrictions on what you can do, not too many laws. Um, culture is amazing. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think that was part of the reason why I found it hard to go back to Australia is, uh, like people, you know, 
obviously amazing people, but the mentality is not as worldly as what it is in Saigon. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, that's what I was really missing out on. So, yeah. And how are, how old are you now, just for reference? Um, turning 25. Yeah. At the end okay. of the month. So Yeah. Okay. So you must have seen Saigon really change a lot over the past like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It's, you can't, it's not the same mm-hmm. whatsoever. Like it's unrecognizable and um, the vibe is different. The The culture is different. The food is different. Yeah. Um, it's it's not the same by any means. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't believe how much it's changed. Yeah. Do you think different in a good way or in a bad way or neutral? Uh, I think maybe it was neutral a few years ago, but now I'm seeing things maybe change in a direction that I personally don't like so much. Like I think maybe Vietnamese culture is, is being lost and overly influenced by foreign cultures and the food's not as good as what it used to be. <laughs> it's, it's changing. Um, for me, I guess it's just maybe a little bit too westernized and I think the crowd has changed a lot. I think it's become a li- little bit more of a party place, which don't get me wrong, I used to enjoy partying quite a lot. Um, for me, it's really something I'm quite interested. So, yeah, I agree. So, can you share what initially sparked your passion for plant-based nutrition? Were you brought up uh, as vegetarian or vegan, or is it something you <laughs> found on your own? Yeah, so I was a pretty hardcore meat eater. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd eat, you know, meat almost every day, lots of steak, and you know, I was I was truly under the impression that it was good for my health. I was always like. I guess health conscious, but misinformed. Like you'd never see me drinking a Coca-Cola when I was like 11 years old or 15 or whatever it was. I think maybe my mom was a big influence there. Like, you know, she'd really try and raise us as healthily as she could. Uh, And then, I mean, I got into veganism because my little sister suddenly decided that she didn't want to kill animals anymore. And uh, I scolded her actually for a good year and a (laughs) half and acted like a know-it-all before doing any research and poor research mind you because you know I was just kind of a a high schooler and I you know I changed my lifestyle and as I you know I started my biomedicine degree and became a little bit more equipped in research I started to realize like well turns out this is kind of healthy and I'm actually feeling really good and so yeah I initially started it because my little sister inspired me to be kind to the animals and then it just so happens that I guess I thrived on the, on the vegan diet. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so how long would you say from the moment that your sister decided that and you got inspired to actually fully adopting this diet and lifestyle? Hmm. Maybe a year. Pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty fast. I mean, I, I went pescatarian for a while, which was quite easy, but yeah, I think I was just looking for the opportunity to, to try it. That was when it actually I just I could move out and live on my own when I started studying so I didn't have to burden anyone else in the house. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So you went to university in Australia, right? Yeah, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about what what is a biomedicine degree? What kinds of things do you study? So it's a funny question. It's honestly a very research intensive degree so you become i i personally think like all overqualified in the field of just researching so like anything health science related you become an expert at just kind of like digging really deep 
mm-hmm. um, putting things together, ripping studies apart, then producing papers and all this kind of stuff. But it's not necessarily so practical because you you learn just enough of like every little um, area of health sciences and like also like it, it gets pretty heavy in, into biology and all this kind of stuff uh, just so that like uh, I guess you're equipped to take on whatever um, uh, whatever field is kind of uh, put your way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So yeah, in in my experience with going plant based and studying nutrition and all that, um, we also, of course, talk a lot about the research. And something that I find so frustrating is that there's so much research out there that is funded by like the meat industry or dairy industry. And they can so obviously like manipulate the data in such a way to make their products look good. So when people, you know, if, if you start to talk about, oh yeah, I'm vegan or plant-based or whatever, they try and shove in your face this research like, oh, but this study said blah, 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 like meat is healthy and this and this. And at the same time, like I'm looking at these other studies, like way, way more studies that don't necessarily have this bias. And that's for me as well, how I became more and more convinced that this is the healthier lifestyle to choose. So I guess for you, what was that experience like in terms of as you started researching uh, plant-based diet, vegan diet, what kinds of things maybe were standing out to you that that finally convinced you? I mean, I think, honestly, you can have all the evidence that you want, but nothing you're going you're gonna to make nothing good out of the information unless you have like a really strong like foundation of common sense, especially like if you believe in human evolution. So if you can really like start to think of the human timeline and then, okay, like see meat eating here and there or plant eating here and there and all this kind of stuff. But if, if you can't really put yourself, like use your imagination and imagine what it's really like to be a hunter-gatherer or what it's really like to be in the in-between stages of like, you know, going from walking on all fours to walking on twos and then putting yourself in the environment with what kind of nutrition you have, then I, I think it's hopeless. And for me, I just, once I took my anatomy course, we learned about human evolution. And from there, just a lot of it didn't make sense with what's promoted as healthy and unhealthy and based on the way our ancestors ate. And then, but the Mm -hmm. thing is that can also be misinterpreted. People will also say like, well, we're not our ancestors, are we? Like we're not walking around starving. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you also have to be quite grounded in, in, in the way that you look at it. So, I mean, for me, that was a major one. And then the other ones is just, I mean, what can I say? All the evidence points, points more or less towards a plant-based diet but uh, it's yeah. just like saturated fat for example you know like we know that it's causal of so many so many metabolic problems and all that kind of stuff yeah it's interesting though that you brought up our ancestors because i know a lot of people will also try to say too like well our ancestors ate meat and if they didn't eat meat then we wouldn't be here or we wouldn't be how we are today so was that something that you looked into in the anatomy class well yeah i mean in the anatomy class we wouldn't really think about nutrition exactly like yeah exactly from that perspective but yeah i mean we we do start to look at like fossilized teeth and you start to say okay like based on the bacterial fossils that 
are found and like the marks on the teeth, you can say that how much your our Paleolithic um, ancestors actually actually ate. So like, yeah, I mean, for, for sure, I think there is some truth in it that if our ancestors didn't eat meat, that we wouldn't be the way we are today. Right. But the thing is, like, I think us consuming a lot of meat, which, by the way, like was only 30 percent of our diet when our meat consumption was at its highest um, was, was for a very short lived period of time and i think it was at a very crucial time where like our brains really started to develop at a rapid rate and this is you know this is speculation but it's it's also highly it's 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 uh it's the consensus in the scientific community at the moment so that means that if meat consumption and particular systems in the human body like evolved at the same time there's likely to be some sort of dependence but since it was such a short period of time, with regards to longevity and also preventing the harmful aspects of meat consumption, the uh, mother nature simply didn't give us enough time to make sure that, all right, meat's not going to cause colon cancer or something like that. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yes, yeah, so some systems will thrive, but things pertaining to longevity, probably not. Because I mean, you know, during those dangerous times, it was just important to get strong as fast as you could and push out some babies and protect your offspring long enough for them to fend for themselves. And to be honest, meat consumption sounds fantastic for that. But if you want to live <laughs> long, then, you know, not really. So. Right. Yeah. They were in such a different situation than we are in today. So you can't really compare the two. So how do you think going plant-based has personally benefited you and the clients that you work with? I think the most significant thing is the impact on your mood and the way you feel and also big time like the relationship that you have with your body. I, I feel like when I eat too much animal products when, when I was, but even when I'm eating too much processed food in general, but when I was eating animal products, it was a whole foods, at least diet. I was feeling a little bit dull, a little bit insensitive to the sensations and feelings in my body, how my digestive tract was working. Didn't feel as light, always felt a little bit heavy. And then, yeah, my mood, I think I, I became a lot more alert and a lot more happy uh, when I started eating plant-based. As, as for my clients, it's it's pretty much the same thing. They just you know, not everyone rapidly loses weight, which, you know, that's going to be the goal of most of my clients, but a lot of them are just ecstatic to, to share with, so excited to share with me, like how good they feel regardless of, you know, perhaps not always reaching their like weight loss goals, like within a specific time period and all this kind of stuff. Cause they just, yeah, they feel really good. They start sleeping less, but feeling more rested and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the gut troubles is the big one, as you can imagine. People stop, stop, you know, passing gas all the time and indigestion starts to go away, ulcers start to go away, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And with your clients, is there a lot of resistance from them that you kind of have to work through? Like when you, when you first say, you know, okay, I think plant-based diet would be the best option. Is there a lot of resistance in that they're not really into it or are they like, yep, okay, let's do it? surprisingly there's not much resistance actually so the, the thing is I, I do allow my clients to eat meat I just you know I obviously I limit their consumption and I usually for the initial period where I'm trying to reset their gut I say okay look just no meat for now but after this you can eat 
me in a particular way like this. So in their minds, I think they're kind of thinking, all right, well, I'm just going to abstain from meat for the first like 30 days, 40 days, whatever it is. And then by the time it's, they're allowed to eat the meat again, like, you know, microbiome has changed. So gut bacteria has changed, therefore brain has changed and Mm -hmm. cravings have changed. And it, you know, it doesn't become such a big effort, you know? And then the thing is after 30 days, they know what it's like to just be on nothing but plants yeah. and then they eat the steak or whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, I don't think it's worth it. You know, like they feel yeah. a little bit lethargic Just something doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause yeah, I, I feel like I am met with a lot of resistance. I haven't actually started working with clients yet, but just when I talk about it with friends, mostly, um, people will say, Oh, but it tastes so good. You know, those kind of <laughs> arguments. And I just want to be like, yeah, but if you trust me, like if you go 30 days, you won't even miss the taste anymore. You won't, you won't even want it anymore. It's true. Um, I, I mean, I usually take the approach of like, cause some, some clients get really kind of scared to give up meat and you just take the approach of like trying to crowd it out, you know, like if you have mm-hmm. like a solid morning routine, for example, where there's like, you know, a lot of fruit consumption and whatnot, then like by the time it comes to lunch or dinner, when they're usually ready for their steak, you know, they're usually not craving for it so much. But then the other problem is like, you know, people don't think it tastes good because people don't know how to cook plant-based, unfortunately, you know, I had a client that like was um, complaining that he stalled in his weight loss. And I was like asking him like how he was cooking his chickpeas and he was just boiling them for like three minutes and eating basically (laughs) half raw chickpeas, which is extremely dangerous. And he got angry at me, but I was like, sorry, I'm the one before that didn't know you had to boil chickpeas for about 20 minutes at least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, (laughs) oh my gosh. Like all you have to do is search vegan recipes, even on YouTube. I don't know if you follow avant-garde vegan on YouTube. He's like, he just makes it so fun to watch and just everything he cooks looks so delicious or even going on Pinterest or something like that. There's just so many different ways to make it delicious. And it definitely does not have to be boring, like salad every single day. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it's really quite easy. I, I think these recipes are a little bit intimidating for people though, as well. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of unfamiliar ingredients, but yeah, no, this, there's some really amazing recipes online. Um, the, pro- the problem is if you want to be a vegan, but you want to be healthy, you have to cook unless you're going to spend a lot of money to go to somewhere like hum vegetarian, like it's, it's not going to work, you know? Do you provide meal plans and recipes for your clients or how do you help with that? Um, so it, it depends. So like at the moment I'm, I'm working with planter for meal plans and mm-hmm. it like, so I do that, but I usually encourage um, people to cook because usually people are coming to me with some gut problems or like very stubborn weight, you know, like, for example, you know, you don't need to necessarily go plant-based to lose weight, right? So if you're like one of these people that is still eating a whole foods diet and you're not losing weight, then there's, there's something else going on. So in that case, yeah, I'm going to make them cook for themselves and I'm going to throw recipes um, in here and there, but I do encourage them to be proactive. So how do people know if they are having gut problems? What are kind of the 
symptoms someone might be experiencing if they are having gut problems. Cause I think people, a lot of people, like they might just be so used to it that they actually don't even know that they, <laughs> they have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Uh, most people take their symptoms like nothing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of people think it's normal to feel super sleepy after they eat, you know, yeah. like, you know, food coma, it's normal, like have a siesta, whatever it is. I mean, it's essentially, you know, if, if you're, if you're passing a lot of winds, if you're bloating, if you're, uh, if when you pass wind, it smells really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're getting some kind of acid reflux, if the, if it feels like the food sitting in your stomach too long, it's just like, honestly, I would consider it to be like any form of discomfort in mm-hmm. your, in your gut is, is, is going to be indicative of, of some underlying gut issue. Yeah. That also includes like being confused with the sensations in your gut. You know, a lot of people will mistake, uh, tummy pain for hunger or something like that. You know, a lot of people mm. don't have a good relationship with their hunger because they're like, Oh, tummy's growling, better eat. You know, maybe it's like, no, tummy's growling, leave it alone. Yeah. And there's such a connection between the mind and the gut as well. So even things like, yeah, like the fatigue or brain fog or even mental health issues like depression or anxiety, I know have been linked with gut problems as well. So People often are concerned when we start talking about plant-based or vegan diets with getting enough protein and also being able to build muscles. I hear from a lot of guys like, oh, you know, every vegan I know is a skinny twig. And I'm just like, oh, really? Everyone you know? I I don't think you know any vegans then. Um, And you obviously are a personal trainer. You have muscles clearly. So what what do you uh, say to people when they are concerned about protein and building muscle on a vegan diet? I honestly, I think as long as you're eating your grains and legumes, there is not a problem whatsoever. If you are perhaps a professional bodybuilder or you're trying to pack on as much mass as you possibly can, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's a bit of room for extra protein, but it's really bad for your health and it's not going to contribute to your the amount of power and strength that you have, actually. It becomes just kind of like this dead weight, this like this dead muscle. So if, yeah, no, I mean, pro- protein is really not of concern. Unless like, yeah, unless you're a professional bodybuilder. And in, in, in fact, like too much protein is going to hinder your performance. So if you're an athlete, you don't want too much protein because that's a missed opportunity for, you know, filling your muscles with like carbohydrates, with glycogen. Mm-hmm. And also like breaking down muscle is a very big part of the recovery process. And the other thing is that you, you want to maintain your mobility and be nice and nimble. So you don't want to like pack on too much muscle if you're a, if you're a performance athlete. So yeah, if, if you're really scared, then I mean, I guess you can take a protein shake, but these protein shakes, honestly, I think it's like what 90 to 95% of them are contaminated with heavy metals. And that's even like organic pea proteins and you know, I mean, supplements in general, not just protein shakes, um, yeah. supplements in general contaminated. So, yeah, that's, that's all I can really say. If you're eating enough, which a lot of people don't eat enough initially mm-hmm. on a vegan diet, then I think, yeah, you're getting plenty of protein. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that as well, too. When people first get started, they feel hungry all the time. 
on a, on a plant-based diet and they are, I guess, used to seeing this chicken or steak or fish or whatever on their plate. And maybe the brain gets confused and is like, oh, I'm not eating enough. I can't possibly be full with just these plants on my plate. So do you have any advice for that transition of going plant-based and um, being satiated? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, well, it's, it's kind of about, really, it's about recalibrating your brain, right? It's, it's, it's so your brain understands the volume to calorie relationship between certain foods, um, the volume to nutrient relationship and all this kind of stuff, because that, that can be really quite difficult to calibrate. You know, like people often freak out when they see me eat a salad, a huge salad, like the size of my head. And people are like, how do you not get fat? It's like, this is my calories, you know? And the thing is, they'll also say like, how are you still hungry? It's like, because my body knows that it doesn't have the calories. It's not me actually even looking at it and saying, okay, this has this many calories. I, I, I don't promote calorie counting. Yeah. It's just once you recalibrate your brain and your gut, then it's going to happen. So, I mean, how do you do it? Honestly, this is what I've seen from experience. You have to have like a phase that's just extremely strict and very clean. And, and I think even simple things like always using the same sized plate for your your foods you know for particular Mm -hmm. salads and all this kind of stuff just so like you know you get an idea of portion sizes and yeah i mean like usually i put my clients on something called like we just call it phase one which is a really boring name for a phase but (laughs) yeah it's i I can't really go into the details now otherwise i wouldn't sell anything but yeah we use this to like recalibrate everyone's like hunger hormones and all this kind of stuff before we get them cooking and then it doesn't seem to be a problem. So mm-hmm, yeah. I guess if you're hungry all the time, eat more grains, eat more legumes and eat more nuts. Yeah. If, if you're one of those people. Yeah, definitely. I think when I first started maybe four or five years ago, I had watched one of those documentaries on Netflix and was pretty much convinced overnight, but I, I only went vegetarian at first and just took out chicken and steak. And uh, I think I still ate fish, but I, I went about it in just the most unhealthiest way because I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And I, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to remove the meat from everything, but I didn't replace it with anything. So I was literally Mm -hmm. just eating. I would literally go to the store and buy zucchini, pepper, tomatoes, spinach, just like random vegetables and just fry them in a pan and have that. And that was all I was eating. And I was starving all the time because I was having no grains. I was so scared of carbs because I had grown up, you know, brought up (laughs) hearing, hearing that carbs are bad. Carbs make you fat, but didn't understand about like, you know, we need carbs for energy and like brown rice, whole grains, sweet potatoes, things like that are totally beneficial for you. And so I was, I was starving. And then at the time I was working at an advertising agency in New York city, where of course you're in an office and they have all these snack foods, like, you know, M&Ms and mixed nuts and stuff like that with chocolate in them. And I was just stuffing my face with that because I was so hungry all the time. Yeah. But finally, once I started figuring out, okay, this is how you actually do it in a healthy way. Yeah. So maybe, maybe other people are like me and (laughs) make that mistake. Yeah. I think a lot of people I've spoken to a lot of people when they go vegan, they're just, they're just eating steamed or 
fried vegetables. It's just like, it's water, you know, that's, that's all it is. It's water and vitamins, um, yeah. <laughs> there's no calories. Yeah. And it's, it's not even a good weight loss strategy because, you know, I guess maybe for the first week your body's gets tricked. And then I always say to people, like, if you want to play a trick on your body, the body's going to play a trick on you later on. And then, <laughs> and then it's going to screw you over when you walk past those M&Ms, you know, and then you're not going to yeah. be able to stop eating them. And then you judge yourself after because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. so true. Another concern I he- hear people often say is about this vitamin B12 that apparently just comes from meat sources. Um, from my understanding, the animals are also injected with B12. Um, from what I understand, it's not that it's not that the animals just like have this vitamin in them. It's from like what from the soil, from the plants that they eat. And, and then they are also additionally injected with the vitamin. So there's a lot of concern around that. So how do you address that with your clients? Um, yeah, so you're, you're absolutely correct. Actually, I think everyone should be very concerned about B12. Um, you know, the, the theory is, and it, it makes perfect sense, is that all these, so we used to get B12 from drinking, I guess, unfiltered water. And we used to get B12 from, you know, obviously like a few animal products, but also when you go out and pick your vegetables, it's got good bacteria on them that produce plenty of B12. Mm-hmm. Now, nowadays with the vegetables we eat are different. We put pesticides on them and the bacteria that grow on the vegetables aren't the right ones for us and all this kind of stuff. So in the past, being plant-based, yeah, you, you could get sufficient B12 from eating, like, you know, drinking unfiltered water and simply like eating your raw vegetables and raw fruit, which have these good bacteria on them. But nowadays you can't do it. So what I do with, with clients is I, I recommend them a supplement. So yeah, I just I make them kind of put it under the tongue once a week. I think usually you prescribe 2000 milligrams once a week on an empty stomach and mm-hmm. uh, it, it solves the problem. Um, so I, I think all vegans should be very concerned about B12. Um, It's not to say that all vegans will be deficient in B12, but it's just, it's kind of a nasty deficiency to have. So Mm -hmm. it's, the fault is not in the diet. The fault is in what we've, what we've done to the food that we, and I think people that are omnivorous, they're showing to be quite deficient in B12 as well. Um, if you have like any underlying gut issue that prevents its absorption, then like, you know, eat all the B12 you want. It's just not going to go in, especially like when you're eating it with a meal, um, you know, a lot of the other nutrients that are part of the meal can stop it from being absorbed. So that's actually why we make people take it on an empty stomach in the morning. Mm. Yeah. And, and in addition, I think all of us are deficient in all kinds of vitamins nowadays, because like you were just (laughs) saying with the water quality and pesticides and antibiotics and like all of these things coming into play, vitamin D, like not enough sunlight, all these things. It's like B12 is of concern, but most, most people on, you know, heavily meat-based diets are also deficient in fiber. So yeah, it's just interesting to hear that argument when it's like, well, you probably have tons of vitamin deficiencies. Yeah, no, you're right. I think there's also vitamins that we uh, even yet to discover um, that we're deficient in, you know what I mean? It's it's like so many different like plant compounds that I'm sure our body thrives off. But 
yeah, like that's a good point you said is like a fiber deficiency, but to a lot of people that sounds funny. It's like fiber deficiency. I thought you just poop fiber out. It's like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. But like, you know, fiber is extremely important and you're right. Yes. So deficient in fiber, so deficient. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a big problem. People don't see it as a nutrient. It absolutely is a nutrient. Right. You know? Yes. So I realized maybe we should kind of step back and actually define for people listening, what is a whole foods plant-based diet just to take it back to the basics. Okay. So a whole food plant-based diet, I mean, obviously consists of eating plants only and a whole food is anything that is, is, has little to no processing in it. Yeah. So that means it basically looks the same way as what it did when it was harvested. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people will get confused and they'll say, okay, well, I'm eating whole grain bread, which is absolutely much better than white bread, but it's still not a whole food. And I think people don't understand how complex it can get that like, you know, the structure of food, the physical structure of food, not just the contents and the processing itself is really going to affect the way your body um you know, deals with it and, and absorbs it and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, so whole foods, which means not processed and yeah, that's it. All right. Simple as that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I would add like, basically it would look like whole grains, plenty of veggies, fruits, legumes, nuts, seeds, spices, and the important thing to eat a variety of these things. So not just eating, you know, bananas every single day or, you know, apples every single day and the same vegetable every single day, but switching it up because each vegetable and each fruit has different, like a different pack package of vitamins and minerals that it offers and supports your body in different ways. So just having that variety as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now I want to talk, if we can, a little bit about your partnership with Planta. So Planta, if people don't know, is a plant-based restaurant in Taurien, uh, I believe by the same owners as Lurbanese, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you collaborated with them on creating a vegan meal plan. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, we're doing uh, vegan meal plans and we're counting calories and macros. But the focus is is gut health. So we're making people eat all these foods in a way that's not causing them to be bloated. So people are eating chickpeas and certain grains that they could never eat before without feeling like, you know, lethargic after or gassy and whatnot. And that's all because of like the food combination science that we use and the food preparation techniques that we use meal timing comes into it a little bit it's you know it's, it's difficult to not be too strict but yeah so that's that's what's happening so we're focusing on high protein and the gut health aspects of it. okay so is it like a breakfast lunch dinner five days a week or what are the details yeah so you have two choices you have what's recommended by me is to essentially do um just lunch and dinner and then sort out your own breakfast which would usually involve you know like um some fruits or something like that but we also give people the option to to have breakfast as well okay awesome and they can just go to the facebook page or website or how could they sign up yeah yeah so they just have to honestly go onto the planters facebook page send a message sign up get get the menu and uh see exactly what days they want you know they're not they don't have to commit 
to like the full meal plan. Some, some clients will just have it three times a week. Uh, we have some clients that have it every single day, but yeah, so it's, it's quite easy to find. So I think a lot of people specifically in Vietnam or maybe local Vietnamese people have trouble with knowing where to start on going plant-based. So are there any tips on starting a plant-based diet specifically for people here in Vietnam? Because I think a lot of the vegan movement does tend to be very westernized. That's a difficult one. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go out there and, and say that uh, my Vietnamese clients are the most difficult sometimes yeah. because like, they're very open to it, but there's no legumes in the cuisine here. It's just, mm -hmm. and there's no other grains. It's just tofu and rice. So, I mean, I think if you're Vietnamese trying to go on a plant-based diet, Vietnamese community, I'll first be very careful of these com chai places that just, you know, do these amazingly delicious vegan dishes that are extremely unhealthy and full of oil. <laughs> But like, wow, like Vietnam, like you, like you do vegan food good. Not going to lie. Like it's delicious, <laughs> but it's not healthy. Um <laughs> So I would, yeah, I would say that I would say avoid, um, avoid eating too many soups. I think a lot of Vietnamese people, when they go vegan, they just eat like vegan pho, vegan bon bò, vegan this, and they're just eating a bunch of empty calories. I would say really make an effort to explore different grains other than rice, um, explore some legumes, even if that means maybe making a less unhealthy version of the classic uh, chair it seems like they know how to eat legumes when it's in chair <laughs> and and i would say eat lots of fruit in the morning and i think that'd be the best best way to begin awesome and back to in general some things some other things that you do personally to maintain your mental and physical health are there any types of daily habits or routines that you have that keeps you kind of stabilized and healthy yeah absolutely a while ago i kind of realized that like a huge part of my days and i'm very fortunate to be able to do it is uh dedicated to self-care mm -hmm. so i mean i guess maybe i'll just take you through the routine i i wake up before the sun every day and i usually try and squeeze in maybe two hours of meditation wow I do, I do fasting um, on a daily basis and then prolonged fasts on perhaps a monthly or sometimes fortnightly basis. I stretch, exercise, obviously eat ridiculously clean mm -hmm. and go for lots of walks, try and stay social, avoid social media when, when my job allows me to, don't watch TV, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I think that summarizes it, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really just the basics like I feel like it feels so complicated of like oh how do I be healthy there's so much conflicting information online and I don't know who to believe and this and that but it always boils down to a few key things which is clean diet exercise some kind of breathing or meditation um, sunlight you know walking outside getting a dose of sunlight getting enough sleep It's, mm -hmm. it's very, it's not complicated at all. And yet I I'm in the female expats group, the big, <laughs> the big Facebook group with all women. And all the time I'm seeing people post things like, does anyone have any recommendations for antidepressants that won't, you know, screw me up with my mood and things or, yeah. or like, oh, I'm, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm 
I'm drinking wine, but it's not working. And I'm just like, like, how did we get here? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, and not, I'm not like trying to make fun of people or anything like that, but it, it is so basic. And I, I think people just want a quick fix. Like people just want that magic pill that is going to solve all their problems and not cause more problems. But the real truth is that you have to dedicate daily practice and routines to all of these things like cultivating relationships, support system, meditation, or some kind of spiritual practice, like all the things that we just talked about. It's like a daily practice. And once you, once it just becomes a habit, like second nature, I feel like everything just falls into place. You don't have these problems anymore of being super stressed or not able to sleep or having gut issues. It it all just kind of evaporates after a while. I I think for maybe 95, maybe 99% of people for sure. Like I, yeah, I I totally agree. I think people don't don't believe in the power of these things because I think humans have really lost touch with what it means to be human, you know? You know, honestly, just be a human and it's going to solve, you know, like a, a lot of your problems. But it's unfortunately just not talked about enough on the media and, you know, now finally in schools it's starting to be preached and all this kind of stuff. But I, I just feel like it's not being being stressed enough by health authorities and all this kind of stuff, maybe because it's not profitable or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And learn to enjoy the routine, you know. The routine becomes nice, you know. You become excited to love yourself, to care for yourself and, and make yourself a, an amazing human for other people as well, you know. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. If I can't do my routine, I'm like so lost. I'm so thrown off. And yeah, definitely agree that it's not talked about enough. I'm really big into women's health and it's it's just such a common thing that women go to the gynecologist with, oh, I'm having acne or terrible period cramps and bloating and fatigue and like all the things. And the solution is just, okay, here's a pill. And there's no discussion about diet or lifestyle changes that you could make that in a lot of cases could reduce or, you know, evaporate those problems. But instead you're given this pill with a whole host of side effects and it it just tends to make things worse and it's all profit-based. Like, of course, they're not going to tell you diet and exercise because no one can make any money off of that. Yeah, that's true. But let's, another important point I was going to say is that is the indoctrination that goes on in academia is ridiculous. So what a lot of people don't realize is that I think perhaps this is wrong nowadays, but I remember hearing, well, no, not hearing this, like this was a fact maybe I think a few years ago. So maybe things have changed, but I doubt that much is that these medical professionals only spend four hours um, really like studying nutrition and, Mm -hmm. and they're just scratching the surface. They're just learning about macronutrients and this and that and a lot of the time they think because they know the way a sugar molecule is metabolized in the body that they're now you know qualified to to make statements about nutrition so and then yeah it's just it's just the way these people are taught you know i've met so many doctors when i talk about my fasting regime which oh my goodness there's so much so much good evidence to support fasting (laughs) for like everything for depression for gut health if it's done properly and a lot of them are like 
what you need food to survive like this is dangerous can you please stop doing this i'm like dude <laughs> come on when was the last time like you, you checked um checked the literature right you, know, you, you also can't condemn them for not checking the literature these poor dude girls and guys they're they're working nine to five and then they want to go home and eat some dinner and spend time with their family like as if they're gonna come and come back home and start doing some extra research on on like the latest science and nutrition and all this kind of stuff so it's very important that that a lot of these health professionals act like they know what they're talking about but they don't but they do mean very very well it's just unfortunately they're a product of of the conditioning right yeah i definitely don't blame the people but blame the systems at play there's just so many systems in place that are kind of set up for Definitely not set up for the health of the people. Yeah, definitely not. I think this is more evidence than than ever during this COVID pandemic, to be honest. It's just like I would really, really love to see like a, a higher stress being put on nutrition because we know that I think apart from age, I think obesity is like the number one risk factor for COVID severity. And then meanwhile, in America, they're incentivizing people to get the, the vaccine by giving out free donuts. Did you see that? No, I didn't, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh my God, I was screaming. It's like, yeah, Krispy Kreme, come get a free donut with your vaccination. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And, and I mean, you think about it, these authorities, like the government's power, obviously we can't expect them to know everything, but they are being informed by the best of the best, you know? So it's not like there's an lack of awareness that nutrition is going to be just like you know is, is going to be a huge um component in like solving um the severity of this pandemic it's there but i think there's just too much conflicting interest you know i, I mean without getting too far into it i made a post the other day i was just like so why is kfc burger king and mcdonald's still open during a pandemic like <laughs> you know like we locked down everything except for them you know? right oh my yeah. god so uh, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if I were to sum up our conversation, it would be plant-based diet, healthy yeah. all the way can help with, you know, all sorts of chronic diseases and gut health and definitely check out Planta's vegan meal plans. If you're interested in that again, like being vegan or eating plant-based, it does not have to be hard or complicated. There's ways to make it interesting. It doesn't have to be boring. Um, it just might take a little bit of extra thought at the beginning, but once it becomes just part of your habit, part of your routine, then it's not such of a big effort anymore. And I think people can also, you know, they don't have to do it in 30 days either. I think if it takes them a year, it takes them a year, you know? You oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. For, it took me five years. Like I, I say all the time, you know, it, it was so slow for me. Even, even when I said I was vegetarian, I would still eat chicken <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> and yeah, it, it took like a really long time. It's definitely a process. Some people are able to just literally overnight be like, yep, I'm vegan. If they, if they are so passionate about the animal rights or environment and things like that, we didn't even get into that stuff. But of course, plant-based and vegan is great for animal rights and the environment and all of that. But that's a different okay. converse, different conversation for another day. So how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to work with you? And who would be your ideal client? Like what type of person should 
contact you? Yeah, so I mean, you can get in contact with me via my Facebook um, profile page. So it's just, I think I have another one. It's called just, uh, you can even contact Planter if you're finding finding it hard to find me there and um, I'll be available. So, I mean, I'm my ideal client. I would say anyone that's just got you know, a stubborn gut, um, you know, weight loss isn't working and they really wanted to go plant-based. that would be my first. But then my second one that make my life um, a little bit more exciting is people that are really like looking to experiment and develop a new relationship with food. Like for example, by people that are open to practicing prolonged fasts or, you know, very, very strict diets to enhance their awareness, their consciousness, their mood, and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it could, you could say it's uh, slightly on the spiritual side without the mysticism. I don't want people to confuse the two things more, like yeah. more on the personal development side. Awesome. And typically when people work with you, is it both a nutrition and personal training or can it be one or the other? Yeah. So, I mean, it can be one or the other. So if, if you're going to do both, you're going to get a discount, obviously. If you're going to do one, it's that's perfectly fine as well. I will encourage exercise and I do give, you know, a lot of free content as well. It's not like yeah. if you don't, if you pay for nutrition, but you don't pay for the personal training, it's not like my mouth is sealed and <laughs> advice, you know what I mean? It's yeah. all, it's all very easy to, to give some nice advice. So yeah. I'm flexible. Awesome. All right. And then the last question that we ask every guest is, how would you describe Saigon in three words? So much freedom. Yeah. I think, yeah, so much freedom for in, in all aspects, you know, mentally, physically, things to do. Yeah, r- truly an amazing place. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I hope that a lot of people, I think they will get a lot out of this and hopefully starting to shift their mindset a bit. If they weren't convinced before, maybe they're convinced now. So uh, I appreciate you and have a good rest of your day. Thank, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Saigon. If you liked this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.